1: What is up? This is Darkside from the Moto X Pod Show, and we are back with another episode of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show for episode 383, which was the live show in Vegas, and, of course, 384 from this past Monday night, uh, which featured Max Steffens, JT, Randy Richardson, myself, uh, Mike from Yamaha, of course, Steve Mathis was there, Dune Goon. I want to thank all our sponsors, BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Racetech Suspension and Engines, Michelin Starcross 5, because we love Randy Richardson, Maxima Oils, X-Brand Goggles, Pro Filter, Works Connection, Atlas Braces, FMF Racing, Roost, Roost Graphics, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower Battery and Chains, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit Hand Cleaner, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, LAHondaWorld.com, OGO, ride engineering all fantastic sponsors that support the pulpomex show this week on the wrap up show brought to you by w who provides the best quality wheels in the business whether you race professional supercross or just a weekend warrior w has wheels for you w can even restore your old vintage wheels busted ass wheels doesn't matter they'll fix them up visit wsa.com and let john and kristen anderson take care of you so, WUSA brings to you Mr. Dane Evans. What's up, Dane? Hey, how you doing, Sug? Doing good, man. Glad to have you on. Also with me in studio, if you're looking for a high-performance seat cover and foam, most of the uh, pro riders, the, the factory teams, are using Guts Racing. Andy Gregg and Guts Racing are providing seats for many of the teams all around the world, so visit gutracing.com today. Guts Racing brings you the one and only DJ T.J. Smith. What's, What's up, up, D.J.? Guys? I called you DJ. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know your name. All right. So, guys, we are going to talk about the live Vegas show that TJ and I were at. Dane, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that show.
2: Uh, Honestly, I didn't listen to the live show. I just listened to the Pulp Show. That's fine.
1: We're going to focus mainly on 384. Um, We'll kind of hit some highlights of 383. We'll tell you some of the things that happened, and you can give some of your opinions. But um, 383, TJ, was fantastic. Live show, Chad Reed, Ron Villapoto, um, drinking alcohol, having a blast. Uh we had Davy uh Davy Coombs was in. He came in and did a little ball busting of JT, Weige, and Steve from their early predictions on the year that was completely wrong. Um What'd you think of that, man? You got to see that. It was the first live show you've been to. I mean,
0: there was a lot of times where that whole show started to almost get off the rails and Steve did a good job keeping it in, but when Davey got up there, he <laughs> um he took over. Yeah. And um it was awesome because like I kind of thought it was scripted at first, but then you start watching their their faces and they were like it wasn't. Like they had no clue about it. And obviously we hear about it on the Pulp later. Yeah. But um it was re- it was really cool. Davey coming up there Kind of out of the blue and doing that was awesome.
1: Yeah, they had no idea. Um, they were pretty surprised. Steve talked about you know, like Davey, Davey, Dave was at um, Davey Coombs was asking about like asking him where where's Travis at? Where's Travis at? Before the show started, and, and Steve could not figure out what was going on. Um, pretty entertaining to see those guys a little bit just you know, kind of walk into something they weren't prepared for. Um, Dane, if you get a, a chance to go listen to that, you should. It was very very funny. Um, I'm
2: mad at myself for not listening to it, because Chad Reed is my guy. He has been for years and years and years. You know, I ride a Yamaha, my street bike, my dirt bikes, and the number plate on my bike, when it was brand new, still sitting at the dealership, they were doing a signing there, and the service manager took Chad back in the back and had him sign my bike before I ever picked it up.
0: That's awesome. Nice.
2: So... I have that, and, you know, I'll give my right arm to have a JGR signed Chedry jersey. But anyway, I'm mad at myself for not listening.
1: Right. Well, it was good. We're not going to focus on that show too terribly much because you didn't get to listen to it, but a lot of highlights, as always. Um, fantastic the live shows just go over well. Crowd was awesome. Um,
2: well, what's funny, though, is you talk about Steve and Davey Coombs coming up, and, and uh, you know, listening to the Pulp Show, Steve was a little... To me, anyway, he, he seemed a little disheveled that something got popped on him at the last second. He's like, well, what do you do, tell Davy Coombs no? Right, Nobody yeah, yeah. tells Davy Coombs no.
1: Exactly. I, you can tell, sitting in studio um, Monday night, you can tell that Steve, you know, he prepares, he has basically like a little outline of what he wants to get to, and he does the same thing with the live shows. He has, he, he has everything he wants to squeeze into that time limit. And at the last minute, when Davey says, hey, I want to come on stage, he's like, oh, okay, we weren't prepared for that. And the show went pretty long. I mean, it was two and a half hours, I would say, before the meet and greet part. Yeah, Um, yeah. the whole, like, it's supposed to be two hours. It went two and a half, which is awesome. But um, nonstop entertainment. Randy Richardson sat right behind me, and really he was cracking me up as much as anything else, just with his laughing and his comments. Um, A lot of cool other people that were there. Uh, Connor, Connor Fields was there. Uh, I think A Ray was there for a little bit. Chuck Carruthers. Chuck was there. Carruthers was there. Um, yeah, fantastic show. So if you guys haven't listened, check that out. But let's get to Monday night show. 384 started out with Max Steffens, Randy Richardson, and JT in studio. Um, you know, they start out with um, how did the Fly Pulp show go in the pits? The five o'clock show. They were talking about that. I missed it. TJ missed it. Uh, they talked about one of the things they were wanting to know is they just discussed was. How the the Pulp MX Five O'clock Race Day Show went throughout the season started out with some tech, technical difficulties. Um, you know they had some sound issues, some mic issues. But as it went on, and they were just running like a well oiled machine. They had a lot of fun doing it. The crowds seemed to love it. Um, TJ, did you see any of those? Did you go to the one? No, in you didn't I, see any of those. I did
0: uh, actually one of the ones in that uh, was in California. A two. Uh, you were there. That it was, was Glendale, yeah. It was, whichever one. Yeah. Um, I did see it for a few minutes, but there were so many people around, yeah. and it was like so. I just kept, I just kept. I had some stuff to do. and I just kept going.
1: Yeah, I think it's really good for the brand to do that. Uh, they don't really call it the Pulp MX show there, but I think people are figuring that out. Um, Dane, it's got to be good for the industry. It's got to be good for Moto in general to have a show like that going in the pits where other people can discover it and see what's going on and, you know, just bench race, basically? Well,
2: you know, when you when you put on a show like that, especially in the pits where they, the casual fan or the average fan, you know, that doesn't really ever get to see kind of any of this behind-the-scenes stuff, they just buy tickets, they go, they go to the pit party, and that's it. That, having the ability to go to that show and kind of get a little closer and listen to some people talk, whether it be... Steve Mathis, who obviously, you know, is well known throughout the industry for his work with the the Pulp Network and and all the shows and content that he puts out. But then he's got these guests, and he's got the you know these people like JT and and Weege if he gets in on these shows and and potentially writers. That gives these people an opportunity to get a little closer and hear a little bit live from that writer. Let's say you know about his life, about his background or you know anything else, sometimes anything besides moto is what's fascinating to a lot of people where he came from, where he started, things like that.
1: Yeah, no, totally agree and it it's it's good to get it out there. I think it's only going to grow. Um having Steve on Race Day Live at Vegas had to had to get some people some eyes on him that were unaware. Um and and it's fantastic. I haven't got to watch that back yet. Um I haven't seen any of race day live back as of yet, but I need to get to it. Um, all right. So he one of great, the, I, I
2: saw him and he did a great job. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was all this talk and kind of this, uh, little fun between Daniel and him that, you know, should I let him on? Should I let him on? Should, and then Steve asking on the previous show, asking everybody that came on, Hey, should Daniel let me on? But honestly, Steve was professional. He did a great job about talking, uh they spent a lot of time talking about the Yamaha giveaway and the privateer dollars that they raised and gave out to uh the privateers and yeah. Adam and Kignapp obviously and the rest, but so a lot of time was spent on that. But you know, it, it was totally professional, they totally talked about and I honestly think that it that, that'll schedule him at least once every season.
1: Yeah, and hopefully that'll start happening. I think Daniel was putting in for that pretty heavy, and uh, his producers, you know, saw that. And, yeah, he, and that may happen. He, I mean, he's 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 getting more. Not or what's the word I'm looking for? Feld is kind of seeming to be more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? TJ, where he, they're they're allowing him more a little more, access. Open, a yeah, little more opening. Yeah, they're opening their minds to to Mathis a little bit and Pulp. I think they're seeing his reach. Um, okay, so once the show started, got going Monday night. Big topic, of course, is Adam C and Cirillo and the heartbreak he suffered. Um, AC is a big part of Pulpamex. He's he's really good friends with Steve. Um, Jason Thomas made a comment. He said, "Man, he I don't even want to know how bad, how much he's hurting." And Jason Thomas said, "Man, he acted so professional, but if it had been me, I would have burned the stadium down." Uh, JT, <laughs> you know, what do you think about Jason's comments? And you know, had you been You know what? What do you think? You think that's something that is a realistic feeling to being that angry?
0: Yeah, but who? Who do you? I mean, the problem is, yeah, you want to burn the place down, but you can only be angry at yourself in that situation. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like some rider took him out. It wasn't like he. So, I can understand being angry, but I wouldn't be like want to burn the place down. It would be more (laughs) along the lines of I'm angry at myself for allowing that to happen.
1: Yeah, Dane. I think Jason Thomas, though, we all know that when he was racing. He could be pretty hot-headed. He he ran hot, um, so I, I can see that statement come from JT. I can only imagine his reaction. But what about the 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 professionalism of Adam C and Cirillo? While you could see the anguish in his eyes during the Daniel Blair interview.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, everybody knows JT was a hot head when he was riding. Um, Maybe along the lines, but not as, not as, uh, I liken him to Weston Pike, but I think JT was a lot more verbal when he was racing when things didn't go his way. Um, and, and so I think that was a figure of speech burning the place down. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. because JT, uh, TJ rather, has a point. Nobody was even close to Adam. He did it to himself. But here's what I love about Adam. Adam, in the interview with Daniel, took blame for it. He didn't blame the bike. He didn't blame the team. He didn't blame anybody but himself. Right. Where you find a lot of these people at that level, these riders at that level, oh, well, there was something wrong with the bike, because that's an easy, you know, even if there wasn't, well, I'd just say there was something wrong with the bike, and I was dealing with it, and, you know, it bit me. Well, that's not Adam. Adam is truthful. He's honest, as we all know, listening to the Pulp Show. He's been a great interview. He's very honest. And he took onus for the whole entire thing. And I know he's gutted. I know he's hurt. But, you know, there was a couple other things said, and, and I want your guys' opinion on it, too. Um, one of the things that was said is, Does he, they, they talked about him coming back down to 250s or going to 450s. Yep. Does, he, does he need a title? To basically get redemption, to get—I'm um, not—the the word escapes me. What I'm looking for, but does he need that title? Does does he come back down and really put it to everybody to get that title to say, "Look, I was the champ. I was going to be the champ."
1: Right. Well, first of all, Dane. According to Steve, now nobody cares about your opinions of what you think. We're talk, We're going to talk about. <laughs> we're going to talk about what they thought. Um and second, that was in my notes to be the next thing to talk about. Please don't take my job away from me. Okay, I, I think okay. you're doing better than him. Just, let, just <laughs> I'm just busting your. He's going to cut game. that part out when you know all of that because you're actually
0: running it better than he does. So. Uh, okay. And, but yeah. And, and the
2: other the other thing I want to know since I'm taking your job away right now, the yeah. other thing I want to know is does he get more fans because of the way he handled himself? And this is all stuff they talked about. It's not my opinion, by the way. Of course.
1: Yeah, that's right. I, I, man, it's hard for me to believe that anybody is not already an AC fan. But as far as moving, I think he goes to 450. Um, I think he has to put this behind him. Uh, I, I, you know, he said that he told Steve, according to Steve, that he really doesn't care. He doesn't have to win a 250 outdoor championship. And I think at this point, he's going to feel the same way about the 250 indoor. And again, I'm fairly sure the 450 deal, from what I understand, is already signed. It's done. So I, I believe he's going to be 450 next week, or next week, next year on Kali. Um JT, T, TJ, yes. Any thoughts on AC moving to 450s? Do you agree that Steve said he thinks he's going 450? I mean, it seems what like do you think. It seems like Steve, think Steve's right. Yes,
0: that's what i say. I think Steve, JT, everybody on the show, they're all. How do you say? It? They're all in the know. They're not even like even some things that you or I know that we can't say. It's kind of like that. They have information that they can't say. All they can do is pretend to predict what they know. He's going to 450. If they say it, I think it's going to happen.
1: Right. Okay. So at that point, we're going to move on. Um, there was a caller named Hank that called in and he, he was uh, frustrated with the the TV package where he lived was not live on USA, apparently some of the West Coast areas, it was uh, tape delayed. Does it matter if the race is live? You know, Steve and JT were heavy on the NBC Sports Gold app. Just get the app. I mean, that's where everything's going to. Um, but does it really matter whether it's live on a network TV, quote-unquote? If it if they just took away from regular TV completely and they just put it on the app, do you think that hurts the series? Uh, Steve doesn't really think so. JT doesn't seem to really think so. I kind of think it does. I think it should be live. It's a, if it's a major event. Uh, Dane, any thoughts on the way it, you know the the TV package at all? What do you think? Should it be live every week?
2: I, I think so. I think Steve's wrong. I, I think it does hurt the the sport. Um, the sport was seeing kind of, in my opinion, the sport was seeing kind of a lull uh, a couple of years ago. You know, maybe. Uh, 16, 17, I think it was tapering off. And and one of the things you can look at is there used to be three Anaheim's and now there's two. Why? Because the stadium wouldn't get filled up on that third one. There was more markets that they could go to that they could potentially do. Look what happened at Denver. They killed it. So I think there was a little bit of a lull. I think Fox did a pretty good job, and the majority of them were live, and people got used to it, and more people got interested in it that may have been just casual riders that go out and ride in the desert or whatever and really don't pay attention to racing at all. And I think those people got drawn in by watching live. And I also think something that brought this sport up a little bit, whether you like to say it or not, is fantasy leagues. You know, a lot of people play fantasy, and now they want to watch that show live so they can see where their writer is now and how they did in their fantasy league against their buddies so they can, you know, talk trash with their buddies. Hey, I beat you this week, right. blah, blah, blah. Right. Which we all know about.
1: Absolutely. Hey, I want to step back to AC for just a minute. I have a thought. Um, JT said something. He was comparing. They, they asked about or talked about whether AC's championship loss would be the biggest, uh, you know, disappointment in history or whatever compared to like Joey Savace. Um, JT made a comment. He said, it's tougher when it's your own fault. So AC made the mistake. Savace didn't really make a mistake. Zach just, you know, went in and aggressively cleaned him out pretty much. Um, so that was JT's thoughts. I think Steve agreed with him. I agree with him. TJ, you race, um, a lot. You think like you agree with those, the guy's statement, I mean, yeah,
0: it's got to be harder. When you when you made the mistake, there's nobody to – like I was saying earlier, there's nobody to blame but yourself. I mean, what do you do? You want to be mad. You want to lash out. You want to do those things. But you really can't do that if um, it's your fault. I mean, I mean it's – I guess every racer has gone through that. At some point in time where you're going to win a race and you tump over in a yeah. corner by yourself, it's not losing a championship. Right.
1: but I mean, I, I agree because – as a race, especially as a as a younger racer, when I was in my teen years, I mean, I threw some temper tantrums when I made a mistake and crashed and cost myself a race, like throwing helmets and just pissed off, being a big baby. But if somebody just outright beat me and I rode well, like I I would go up and actually like, dude, that was great, shake their hand, like it didn't bother me. Dane, you compete, um, you know, you, what do you think? Do you agree with the guys in studio that night? Kind of. Okay.
2: Uh, I don't. I don't know. It might be his biggest disappointment when he looks back on his career when he retires and has a lot of fun like Villapoto. But I think equally as much of a disappointment is if you remember when AC came out of the amateur ranks to the pros, very similar to when Michael Lesi came out. Believe the hype, the eight hundred is coming, all of that stuff. Well, that all of that was surrounded AC coming out of the amateurs into the pros as well. And I think now that he's older and much more mature, that's very obvious. I think he looks back at those injuries that he had his first, second year and took him out for a while. I think those might be, I think he might beat himself up more over that, Um, not having the maturity to just slow down a little bit because sometimes slower is faster. We know that. Um, I think he might beat himself up a little bit more over that when his career is done. But that's assuming that he goes on to win some more championships at, in his career before he retires.
1: Right. Okay. So as the conversation went on, they move <clears throat> they move on to Cooper Webb um, and uh, JT says, "Man, 2020 is going to be fascinating when he comes back to Supercross." He was comparing it to like Jason Anderson winning a championship and expecting. What we expected out of Jason Anderson this year is now kind of how we're where we're at with cooper Webb, who unexpectedly won a championship, and we're fascinated with how that's going to go next year and then JT also says, man, you know just wait until we get to outdoors um, I think he expects a lot out of out of cooper. I think Cooper's going to be very much in the the championship hunt um uh, TJ, do you agree that 2020, Cooper Webb 2020 is fascinating, or do you think JT's wrong that we should just expect what we got this year again? I think with Tomac,
0: to him, he was going to come in this with, a, with like a head of steam. I think that we have, I mean, really truly, I think the outdoor to a lot of the guys is totally up in the air. It's a new championship. It's, I mean, like you said, look what happened last year. So um, it wasn't really, it wasn't a a barn burner or what, whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean from yeah. from last year. So I don't know. I mean, we we always say that. Oh, this person who won is going to come in and dominate, but they never seem to, unless it, unless you go back to Ricky. You know.
1: But are you fascinated, or, Dan? Are you fascinated by what Webb may or may not do next year, or do you think he will be able to just maintain like he has found that level? He's found that confidence. And there's nothing to be fascinated about. This is the Cooper Webb we should expect from now on.
2: Uh, you know, it's a little of both. I mean but I think that that statement you just made, this is the Cooper Web that we expect from now on, I think that might be a discussion for looking forward to the twenty one supercross season. Because we got outdoors coming up and we know that outdoors is rough and a lot of guys get injured in outdoors. Then when we look at the twenty supercross season, we're gonna have a lot of guys back in the mix again. And I'm not taking anything away from Cooper Webb. He was dominant. I don't care who was in there. If Brayton would have been in there the whole time, if Barsha would have been in there the whole time, if Roxanne would have been dominant, I still think Cooper Webb would have done what he what he did. But there's going to be some more names in the mix, barring any major injuries in outdoors, coming for the 2020 Supercross season. And we just have to kind of take a wait-and-see attitude. I think he's on the right program. I think he's on the right bike. And I certainly think that he has matured a lot, and his head is in the right spot.
1: Yeah. All right, so they code called uh, David Villeman after this. Uh, There's a lot of discussion about him. Uh, you know, obviously, coaching Dylan Ferrandis, who won the championship, fair uh, in a very surprising fashion. Uh, they told the story that TJ and I saw. David was in the press box right behind us. As soon as Adam Cianciello crashes, gone. David was disappeared and like five seconds later he was on the floor somehow even though it was like a 10 minute walk it was unreal like he was gone before <laughs> ac even
0: like settled got up yeah i'm telling you <laughs> yeah. i turned around and yeah, looked to yeah. see what his reaction was and he was heading out the door
1: right yeah it was pretty funny um but steve i think it was steve maybe it was jt said that that was the happiest they'd ever said seen david villaman um like he was happier he seemed happier for dylan's win in championship. Than he did for his for his own personal wins, um, Dane. You you saw his reaction. I'm sure at the championship celebration when he was screaming, "Yeah, yeah!" Uh, yep. I mean, and we know David from the show. We know David can be very um, not necessarily negative, but he's you know he's just straight to the point, and he doesn't get super excited about a lot of stuff. So, do you agree that? Well, along with Steve and JT, that that was maybe the happiest you've ever seen, Dylan, or um, David?
2: David, yeah. I, I, listen, I he is, David Villeman is a very level guy. His emotions don't get high, and his emotions don't get low. He says it like he sees it. It's black and white for David Villeman. And, you know, even the drops on the pulp show. <laughs> Eat and drink and and.
1: Sleep. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. That that whole thing when when AC crashed and Villeman took off, and if you listen to Villeman on the pulp show literally go into a little bit of, of Dylan's background, I think that's why Villeman was so happy. You know, he talked about how when when Dylan first came here and JT even said he was squirrely. And then he was a little lost. He didn't know, kind of didn't know what to do. And, and out of the blue, David says, he called him and said, you know, can I get some advice, whatever? And that led to a couple of sessions pro bono. And then that led to David coming on full time in, in Dylan's Corner. And and obviously, it, we know what happened. He He completely changed as a racer. Um, he settled down. I don't think he was as squirrely at all. I think he really settled in and started letting races come to him, waiting for the right time to go. And and Villeman explains a whole lot about that. And I think that's why Villeman was so happy, because of yeah. the background, what led up to this. And it wasn't even expected, really.
1: Right. David D is one of the best guests on Pulp MX because he is very knowledgeable and And he isn't one of the bros he says things that he points things out that you don't necessarily always see, and you kind of you kind of go huh that's interesting, such as his comment about the two fifty championship he said basically who cares it's a minor title um that's that's kind of a that's interesting man that's pretty heavy thing to say t j uh it's two fifty still a championship man i mean it's still some of the best riders in the country it is a Regional championship, but do you consider it? Do you think he's right? It's a minor title until he said that. Until that actually came out of
0: his mouth, and I sat back and thought about it, it's like winning a national C class title. Wow. It doesn't mean anything in the long, long run because yeah. I mean, you look at Weimer. You look. i, mean, I can just name off all Rock the guys. Google. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's Ma- it called? Hot sauce. Yeah, many and others. Many others that have that were dominant, were awesome on two fifties and then never won on 450s you know what i mean never came out and did anywhere close to what they thought they could do on the 450s yeah um so i mean and
2: that's the way, and that's the way Villeman is i mean yep. it, it, and he's in my opinion he's correct in that okay so it is a 250 title but now will it translate to 450s and just exactly what tj said look at all the guys that won championships in the 250s and didn't do diddly squat in the 450s. To make it in the 450s, you've got to be another level up from 250s.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to point out a couple or highlight a couple of our sponsors real quick. Uh, our main sponsors that are really helping out with the show is WUSA, based in Southern California. WUSA was founded by John and Kristen Anderson. Kristen, the daughter of White Brothers, owner, founder, Tom White, Great wheel company, the best wheel company in the in the world. Hit up wusa.com for all your wheel needs, and of course, Guts Racing, established in 1990 as a premier off off highway seat manufacturing company. Um, hit them up, gutsracing.com for all your seat needs. Best, the Phantom Foam is amazing. They can do all kinds of custom things. Guts Racing, WUSA, uh, highlighted sponsors of the Pulpamex wrap up show. Um, something Steve said also at the end of that conversation about Dylan would, uh that he said that he thought originally when they decided to sign Dylan Ferrandez, he did not think that was a good signing. Um kinda of, again, surprising to me. Um Dane, what do you think? Do you think that's like why why do you think uh Steve would say it was he didn't think it was a good signing?
2: Well, and he gave his reasons why. If you looked at, you know, what he did in uh in Grand Prix. I yeah. mean he got hurt a lot. And like JT said, he was very squirrely. He, I think, I think it was because he was young, and didn't he hadn't matured, and he didn't have any guidance like he got from David Villman. And uh, on the Villman thing, I just want to point out one thing too. We talked about how Steve is got everything planned to within a minute or two on the show. The David Villeman call was not planned, and it was there was two segments that were the longest segments of the whole entire Pulp Show, the David Voman call and the fly racing pitch for a team.
1: <laughs> okay. Just yeah.
2: wanted to point that out.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's true. <laughs> All right. So they move on to some outdoor talk. Um, a number of different things were discussed. Obviously outdoors is a week away, a week and a half away, or not even. Um Steve asked the question because a lot of people have Eli as the favorite and he said is this where we see Eli come back down Uh, starting his descent of maybe his dominance of the outdoors Uh, so he asked do you think he'll win six or less or nine or ten Randy Richardson says no more than nine so he's keeping him under nine Uh, JT JT says Eli wins eight or nine if he's healthy which I think is fair Um, and I think Steve Steve's asked, you know, are we gonna see the changing of the guard this year? We've got obviously Cooper coming on. Max Steffens says you can't count out Blake Baggett and Zach Osborne. Uh TJ, do we see a changing of the guard? And are we at a point in Eli's career where he's gonna start coming off of that peak? Well, I mean are they I, right? I think the guards just spread
0: out. I think there's okay. just more people. There is no like I think the top guys are still the top guys. I think we're still going to see Roxon up top battling. We're still going to see Eli. We're still going to see all that. Obviously, Blake Baggett's going to win everything, so everybody's battling behind him. Okay. From, from my own opinion, but Again, nobody cares about. We're my. not here to talk about your opinions. That's right. That's right. So, anyways, but how? But they said I think that they're. I, th- I think they're all missing it. There's no changing of the guard. It's just a larger group of guys who can win.
1: So, but is Randy Wright No more than nine wins. Do you think he can get to nine wins? That'd be hard to do. Overalls?
0: No more. There's no. There's
1: no way you can get nine overalls. No way. Okay. So so Randy I knows what he's so talking either. about. Dane, does Randy know what he's talking about? Does JT Rand- know what he's talking about?
2: Randy absolutely knows what he's talking about. I don't think Eli gets nine wins. I I think you're gonna see in Zach Osborne what we saw in Cooper Webb and Supercross. Zach go, Zach go, Zach go. I think Osborne is gonna be a force Zach in outdoors. Zach
1: Oh yeah, wait, yeah. We he he asked us for the hot takes. Just wait till we get to those. Yeah, we'll get to those at the end. Um, yeah, that, those are coming. So no, so there is somewhat of a changing of the guard then, because Eli has been dominant. You say TJ that that no, Steve, there's no change in the guard. But if there are other guys coming in and going to be winning, then there sort of is a changing of the guard. It's leveling the playing field out a little bit. Maybe. I get what you're saying. Yeah, maybe, yeah, uh,
0: maybe may, maybe he's right about that changing of the guard. I just don't, I think the top guys are still going to be winning, and I still think that they. Will the guys who like Tomac and the guys who are, are known to be the champions will still be battling for that championship? It's just not going to be as them. easy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. So, it, just for anybody listening, if you guys hear a, a humming in the background, uh we lost power here where I live, so we're going to be out without power for like a week. And I've got a generator. I had to get a generator going to get the show up and going. So, and and yeah, and he picked
0: the window right outside the studio to put the generator
1: because I didn't want to run like seven (laughs) extension cords. All right. Okay, moving on. X-Brand tear-offs. There was a couple points on the X-Brand tear-offs that I thought were pretty key. Also, just going along with the whole outdoor themes, JT says that Joey Savachi will probably be less impressive than he was in Supercross Outdoors. Um, I can see that. I don't disagree. Dane, uh, JT, pretty smart guy. usually knows what he's talking about. Is Savachi less impressive? Is he right?
2: I, I believe that he's right. I, I do. I think... I'm not sure what's going on with Savachi. I, I think there's something in his head. He's not... Maybe, you know, Mathis always says you got to be right at home. Or, no, that's Keeper that says that. Keeper. you got to be right yeah, at Keeper. home. home life. To be right on the track. And I think Savachi's not right at home. I, I don't know. I think there's something going on, and I think JT's 100% right. I don't think... Uh, Savacci is near as impressive. I mean, listen, that Monster Cup ride that he had last October, holy Toledo, man, that was unbelievable. Rookie coming in and he kills it at Monster Cup. Yeah. Then he was a little less impressive in Supercross. Right. And I think he's gonna be the same way in outdoors.
0: Um I, I disagree with that completely. I mean, he's the he rookie coming in, I believe. I mean, you look at what Osborne was doing at the beginning, and went, how good he was doing. I think he was the most impressive rookie 450 rider coming in, and and I can't imagine him going backwards. I think that I think if as long as he can get over the injury and get to riding, I think he will be like very impressive once once we get outdoors. Because well, let's wa- get
2: one thing straight: the only reason Savachi was the most impressive rookie. Because Zach wasn't there for the whole entire season,
0: but Zach wasn't good. Bef- like when he when he came back, where Savachi was good from the beginning of Supercross.
2: Yeah, but let's if you back it up and Zach comes in round one and he's not so good, and it takes him five races to get on the podium and fighting for that, and and in a seventeen round series, guess what the last eight races would have been like?
1: Yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on to another part of the X-Brand tear-offs. Steve's sleeper outdoors is Jordan Smith uh, and Zach Osborne. Those are sleepers. I don't know if I consider those sleepers. Definitely with Zach Osborne. And uh, JT says um, that his favorite for the 250 MX Championship is Dylan. Again, um, these guys have been proven to not always know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to their predictions. (laughs) Uh, Davey Coombs proved that on the Vegas Live Show. Um, how far out to lunch is Steve and JT? TJ. Um,
0: I think this year they were off, but especially most of the time JT is right on. So I okay, mean, history proves JT has been right more than wrong. I'll put it that way. So I, I don't think they're out to lunch at all, especially with Ferandez pick.
1: All right, D- uh, Dane is Steve. Does Steve and JT know what they're talking about with their MX predictions?
2: History has shown that J.T.'s right more than Steve is.
1: Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, there you go, Steve. I,
2: I, I do think Dylan's going to be a force in the 250s for sure. Um, and and they talked about it on the show. He's got confidence now. And we all know what happens when you get a writer who can do it but doesn't have the confidence and gets that confidence. I mean, yeah, it, Dylan's going to be a force in 250s. I, I do think – never mind. I'm not going to say that till we get to hot takes.
1: <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on. We got – Mookie was the first guest, really major guest of the night. Uh, Mookie is always fun to talk to. He seems like he's always in a good mood, um, which is something Max Steffens pointed out. Um, Mookie says he's good to go next week. So, yeah, they should have got him a flight to Hawaii, I think. Um, and he, he confirmed something that the guys had been talking about earlier in the show – that he did sign his contract saturday during the autograph signings while he was sitting there signing um pretty funny pretty cool inside info um thoughts on thoughts on that tj is at i mean that's 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 the kind of stuff that i think Pulp MX is some of the stuff that Pulp is really good at is these little tidbits of information you would never really catch or know about if steve and jt and those guys didn't have the connections they have yeah, well, and it's
0: and we, you and I have talked about that before, and I forget who who I was talking about it with about how Steve makes all of us feel like insiders. We know what's going on because of the because of those little tidbits that that people who aren't in the pits don't see. So um, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right, and that that information is awesome. We talked to Mookie there he he was in great spirits it was cool to see him and for them to do that in front of the fans it just shows why mcr is like a really happy
1: home for the guys that are there right um and dane one of the things that mookie said this was really this is one of the things where i almost spit my water out while i was sitting on the couch mookie talked about placing a hundred dollars on the roulette table and he said i bet black because i'm black <laughs> when he said that shit i laughed my ass off that was funny um, what are your thoughts on the Mookie inter- uh, interview? Just as a whole, I mean, Mookie's fantastic for the sport.
2: I think I think he's really good for the sport. Um, you know, I think again I've said it about a couple other guys. He's grown and matured. I mean, there was time when he wasn't really that good of an interview. It was like he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to do it. And and I think especially where the relationship with Mathis goes. I think that has really grown, where he's just, you know, like another one of the buddies now, and he's he's willing to talk about a lot of things, like uh, AC, and and uh, you know, one of the things that, one of the things I like about Mookie, though is that he draws the line at his brother. Poke all kinds of fun at anything you want, and he's all on board with it. But remember, uh, during the show, they said, "Well, how about if we just get uh, your brother's number, and then we're going to get him," and he kind of. He kind of just uh, laughed that one off. You know, I didn't even touch base on it. Uh, Go ahead.
1: Yeah, okay. So, uh, also one of the things that uh, Mookie talked about, they, Steve brought up the question that Mookie had asked him. He's told the story a few times. that At some point, Mookie asked Steve, was Pastrana better than James was? Which is a silly question. It's a funny question that Mookie really wasn't sure. But then Mookie said, but JS, James can't backflip. And then all of a sudden, Steve kind of agreed. He's like, oh, yeah, wait a minute. Maybe Pastrana was better. Uh, that, again, funny con- funny conversation. Uh, not your typical, like, uh, prof- I don't want to say professional. It's not the type of stuff you would hear on a normal sports show, I don't think. Stories like that, TJ, that, again, another thing that makes Pulpamex fantastic. I know I got to find something in here where I badmouth Steve so I don't get the gargle, gargle type of. Uh, well, well I was mouth. just
2: gonna say something about that, but it sounds like you're really struggling the uh He got his mouthwash
1: over
0: here and everything. So All right, he's hey, good. Let's
1: before we go, let's just drop that topic that I okay, we're gonna pretend I didn't ask that question. I'm gonna say that being in studio Monday night at Pulp Mex, it was the worst experience of my life. Uh <laughs> Steve was super, super rude. Pookie uh Pookie Snacks did, awesome. there was no such thing as Pookie Snacks. It's a joke. Um yeah, I hated being there. Is that better?
2: Yeah, and you're yeah you're a big fat liar. I'd give anything to sit in on a show, and not ever say yeah. a word. Just well, I was just trying. On.
1: I was trying to make those listeners that say I'm too happy or too positive happy, but then you fucked it up. Way to go, Dane. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, sitting in the studio was pretty rad. I can't, I cannot lie. Um, Steve made the comment, and and throughout the discussion, you know, the show just flows. He says, "I think Sealy's out at Honda. Savachi's going to be in." Um, I think he's right, from the things I hear. Dane, uh, first of all, is Steve right, and would that be a good fit for Joey?
2: Well, it's hard to say if it would be a good fit for Joey. But is Steve right? Listen, you start putting two and two together, and they equal four. Is Savachi out? When that means there's a ride open, AC's in.
1: That's right. I already told you AC was in. So, I brought that up in Denver. I don't know why we're still talking about that.
2: <laughs> so we're going to be talking about how your guesstimates um, uh, are coming along with Steve and JT. If yes, they know what they're talking about. Their prognostications.
1: That's right. Right. Um, okay. So then, Will Hahn calls in a little bit later. Uh, Will's always off. Really good. He's better when he's been drinking, but. Um, He talks about Dylan. Dylan wasn't – his championship wasn't really expected by them as a team, which makes me think there's probably not – they didn't put a lot of pressure on Dylan. Um, You know, Steve and the guys didn't really comment a whole lot on that particular comment, but I thought that was kind of cool from a team manager that they weren't expecting a championship. TJ, I think that's really good for a young rider like Dylan to not have that kind of pressure. Yeah,
0: and I think it played well because they – probably let him do his own thing instead of trying to micro I'm not saying that any other teams would try to micromanage or whatever but they kind of let him do his own thing and um I I don't know if they put a bunch of pressure on any other guys and I think they all did good. I mean, all the star guys really pretty well killed it all year long and better than what a lot of people gave them credit for because I don't think I mean, actually if you think about it they probably would have put more pressure on him had he not had the bike issue and he would have been closer in the points anyways.
1: Right. So, Okay, so another thing that Will talked about was he was talking about Justin Cooper. um, Can he win the outdoor title? And Will says yes. I mean, obviously, he rides for Will. He's maybe has a little favoritism to Justin Cooper. But JT and Max also agreed, um, which somewhat surprised me, Dane. Um, I don't know that JT and Max are are right about that. I mean, I guess he can win. Anybody can win. I don't expect it though. What Chris do you Bloss. think, Chris Blos? I,
2: I don't expect. I don't expect it, and I think that, um, I, sure he can win, and and he's kind of fresh out of amateurs. Amateurs aren't racing supercross; they're racing outdoors. So, um, can he do it? Possibly. Is he on the level of the guys that are out there that can do it? I, I don't think so. I think he's a a top five guy. I think he's a to be honest with you, I think he's a six, a, a three to six guy. I don't, I don't okay. think that he's a top three. I don't think he's a podium guy. And okay. and also, just to touch base on uh, Fernandez, when when you talk about Wilhahn saying, you know, they didn't expect it. Everybody forgets how serious that injury was. I mean, broken jaw, lost teeth. He was he was in bad shape, and he came back from that. Yeah, And I don't think they expected him to be able to pull off a championship. I think they figured it was a building type of year and then hoped to put pressure on him the following year. But, you know, I think that's the DV factor. I think it would have been a building year had DV not been there coaching him. But I think the championship is the DV factor between the building year and him being up there in the points and ultimately winning the championship because of the mistake.
1: Yeah, Okay, so the next guest is Adam Schnapp, the '97 Deuce Deuce. Um, Steve Steve talks about we got to get you back in Fly, which I agree. I think he should be in Fly. That's not super important, but I, I like the I like the at least the shout out to Fly. Um, but Steve says, "Hey man, it looks kind of fishy when you qualify twelfth after not making mains for so long, winning. You know, you wrapped up the the privateer fund and then you go finish twelfth and then transfer directly out of the out of the uh, heat race." He kind of called him out a little bit. I mean, he was joking to some degree, TJ. But at the same time, he threw that shit out there into the ether where everybody can hear it. A lot of people think it. Um, you know, he didn't really defend Adam. He, he just threw it out there.
0: Yeah, and I, I think he's probably right. He probably did do that. I mean, that I think Ronnie Stewart was probably better in a running for making it than until he got hurt. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, but how can you really fault him when it winds up Well, he thought he was going to be at least 10 that $10,000 turned out to be quite a bit more than that but wouldn't all of us do the same thing if you know I'd like i would mean, like to he, have $30,000 it sounds like he's going to be with that team next year either way right so i mean what do you say Dane,
1: what do you think yes. about what do you think about steve calling him out
2: he's going to need a new bike that's for sure cuz they gave it away
1: oh yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs>
2: Listen, um i i think adam he, Cooper Webb managed his championship. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, he yeah. managed it, yeah, he, and he. But he was a little more aggressive than some other top level guys have been managing their championships, a la Ryan Dungey. Uh, you know, in the past, uh, he was a little more aggressive in his writing because that's what got him there. And I, I for one, like that. Yeah. So my analogy is that Adam Intendant managed. win for the privateer money, especially when he found out that it had gone over twenty grand.
1: Yeah, right. Now Steve, Steve Steve mentioned that
2: thing all the way. Steve called him out on it, and Steve's one hundred percent right.
1: Well, Steve also mentioned that he he, if had he known how big it would have been, the purse would have been. He was gonna he would have divided up a little bit differently, which I think shows a lot about his character. He like he he thinks that the second and third place guy should have got a little more money. He just didn't realize how much it was going to be, but he also just told everybody that night live that he's going to give Tyler and T-Nap some money to help with his medical expenses because he was in the running. Um, and that's, you know, Steve, Steve didn't give a damn. If the people that put their money in and contributed care, if they liked it or not, he didn't give a damn. He's wants to take care of Tyler. Um, that's, that's his heart wanting to do that. Um, but do you agree? Do you think that's something he should have done, Dane, because it wasn't part of the agreement with the people that contributed originally?
2: Um, that's hard to say. But, you know, that's a fine line right there, but like we talked about earlier, you don't say no to Davy Coombs. Steve Mathis, you kind of don't say no to him on something like that. So I think that Mathis, should have set up the money i don't think he realized how much money he was going to get, but as soon as he had that bike to give away, he had to know he was going to have it in excess of ten grand, if not more and And I think he should have had it set up to where he could have paid down instead of the top three spots, I think maybe five spots hmm. you know i i I personally think that some of that money should have gone further down because they're privateers right. And, my gosh, they could certainly use that
1: money. Okay, um, and then Randy Richardson with another funny comment, which most of his comments are funny. Uh, he he says, "Please don't do another tire wrap." I'm on board with that statement. The Dunlop wrap was not good. I didn't never hear it, so I can't you, you're even not comment on anything. I don't,
0: I don't. I'm not a. I mean, I like Adam. I seem like he's a really nice guy talking to, but I don't really dig the music too much. So, So,
1: okay, after Adam gets off the phone, uh, I think went to a break, came back from the break, and this is where Steve has his proposition for fly racing with Max (laughs) Steffens and JT, which is right in line, right on par with any other proposition, any other thing that Steve comes up with. Pretty out there, pretty um, funny when you think about it, but I think he's somewhat serious to a degree. Um, but Max and JT weren't having any of it. Um, don't think they. I'm not even getting into the details of the what he proposed. It, it's just it was another. You can imagine if you haven't heard the show. They it was wouldn't play along at all. Like they were no. Like well,
0: their, their whole point was just to
1: tell him no. Yeah, they. I, I. They told him while we were before the show ever started. We were sitting around the table eating pizza, and he yeah. said, "Hey, I've got a proposition. I'm going to bring up towards the end of the show." And Max said, "I can already tell you the answer is no." JT said, "Yeah, it's going to be no." <laughs> well, and that's, and that's the point. You can bring it up, but it's no. But for us super
0: fans, it would be really cool to hear a team say, "Okay, yeah. if you're going to have this rider, we can offer you this or right. that." Right. Right. And so they weren't playing the hypo- hypothetical game; they were just wanting to tell him no. Right. Yeah, it was funny.
1: Um, okay. I'm
2: surprised that I'm surprised that Mathis didn't say, "Yeah, I got Weimer. Weimer's going to do it. He's right. going to come back." That's
1: right. <laughs> yeah. Well, at this point, this is where I think I came on into the show. I guess maybe they went to a break at that point, and I came in, got to sit in um, for a little bit, which was pretty you fun. You terrible. Thank you. Oh,
2: crap. That must be the point where I tuned out. Probably. Yes,
1: exactly. With I, I, did, attention, I did try to respond to something, and I didn't realize he hadn't put my mic on yet because he wanted to introduce me. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of I, – I don't know if that picked up, but um, one of the questions that gets brought up, I, uh, before I came on, though, does Roxon finish outdoors? That's not a bad question. Yes. Um, JT says yes. Steve does not think so. JT is right. JT is right. Okay, Dane, what do you think? Which one of them is right, Steve or JT? I,
2: I think JT is right, but um, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if he's if he's if they figured out what's dragging him down. He's going to be in there. He's definitely top five, top four, top three, maybe. Yeah, guy. But, um, man, see so that's a hard that's a hard question to answer. I think JT's right. I think he's going to be in there because I think he knows that one more big injury, and he can probably just kiss it off.
1: Right. Yeah. And I. uh I, I said that I think Jason Anderson's a wild card. That was one of you know my my wild card pick was Jason Anderson. Um so at this point, you know, I'm I'm in uh I'm I'm getting to be part of the show, which was pretty great. Um he took he took some emails, I think it was or, or uh, voicemails, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, this is where I get my balls busted. Um, yep. probably the same guy that said this on YouTube, but he was like, Jesus Christ, can you get Dark sides, nappy hair bun out of the camera. Um, huh. It has to be somebody who knows you. Just called. No, I don't think so. Dick. This guy was being a. There was a guy being a tool on. Well, they YouTube. blamed it on Hal. I
2: mean, somebody was back there going. That's got to be Hal. Oh, That's that was Hal. that was a
1: different call. Hal called in first, and he he's like, "Hey, this is Tyler," and I don't even remember what the hell he asked. Yeah, but I was like, "Ah, yeah, this is Hal." I knew Hal's voice right off the bat. But then this call, this was a. I don't think this was a you're, caller. This was a voicemail. You're glossing over something.
0: Okay and what did i i I didn't it's obviously not in my notes it's on your notes the fact that you said the only a-holes of the year were the fans
1: okay he asked me he did ask me for um shit i I didn't take notes when i was in there so i don't even what his exact question was basically the some
0: it was like a like a um was it the tear-offs
1: yeah, no, because Harris were over, but he asked something along the line. God damn it! See, now people have yeah. to go back and listen, which is the point of this show. Is that <laughs> no? That, we want them to listen to both. But yeah. Anyways, I he I you think basically he asked called me like, all the fans a holes. Yeah, well, I, so, I think it was like what was the negative of the year or something yeah. along those lines, and I couldn't really think of anything. And I, yeah, the the fans who bitch on youtube about the press conference and say oh uh, the media guys always ask stupid questions what the fuck would you ask then what is your ingenious <laughs> question that none of us think to ever ask because well i, I ahead, saw a twitter
2: i saw a twitter that said you're asking the best question he is i
1: have got a lot of those but there's you know just TMZ like anything sports. else there's always going to be people that are negative but i see a lot of it on youtube and not just directed at me but they always say all these questions are stupid jason wygant's questions are pretty freaking good they're usually very smart with a lot of research or you know knowledge involved and then i've just been trying to ask questions that are a little bit outside the box fuck those guys whatever man I'll, but the guy I'll about my the, the guy about I'll, my hair can suck a dick um
2: <laughs> i'll give you the wow. wygant's questions are pretty good but i i gotta admit um listening to the, the uh, you know, the, the wrap-up, you know, the interviews, the live interviews that Steve does in yep. the pits because yep. he doesn't go to the Post, conference. Post-race
1: interviews, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah post-race interviews. But I think there's better questions there than in the, in the press conference. Okay, that's,
1: that's a key point, Dane, and that's why Steve goes out there, and some of the other guys would rather not ask. So anybody that's listening to this that has those comments on YouTube, I hear this from... All the guys in the in the press conference, and that could be Weege, Anton, Guy B, um, Cooksey, whatever. You have when we go into a press conference. This should not be part of the wrap up show, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on my race tech rant. When we go into a press conference, the way they line it up first is they have the top three from each class on the podium, and you ask them questions. And as soon as that is over, you get one on one interviews with each of those guys and other guys that are in the room. Or you can even get some one-on-one before the press conference starts if they're there. Why the fuck – I should stop cussing, but I'm getting fired up. Why would I ask a my top-notch question to the press conference where everybody gets that info and st- when I could ask it separately for the Moto X-Pod show YouTube channel? Yeah. Or Steve will go out in the pits and ask all these other guys whatever he wants instead of putting it up there for everybody to have content. It's, but the questions, again, back to what I was saying, the guy about my hair and all that stuff can suck a dick. I just sit down. I can't help where the fucking camera is. Settle I'm down. just there to
0: ask some questions. <laughs> I'm, I, a, I'm sitting here patting him yeah, on the back,
1: chilling. I'm out, just buddy, there to ask out. my questions. And I feel like the questions I've asked over the last few races I've been to have gotten some pretty damn good responses. So the whatever. power and the air
0: conditioning will be back on real yeah, soon. Yeah, if you chill don't out. like
1: my questions, get credentials, come ask your own damn questions. Um, Let me, all
2: right, all right, take take a breath, Darkseid. <laughs> take okay. a breath. All right, I'm good. Calm down here. I'm good. I'm going I'm to throw in two cents of advice here. Okay. I think your questions have been pretty good. So what I want to say is don't change yourself because some outside force is saying this, that, or anything else.
1: Oh, I'm not. If
2: you stay yourself, you're going to get respected by those writers and teens managers all of the people that you potentially are going to interview you're going to be respected for staying yourself and sometimes asking those hard questions that's why a lot of people don't like mathis because he either asks the hard question or he points out the obvious or he puts his two cents in the way he sees it and if somebody doesn't like his view then they don't like steve mathis that's why some of the writers don't like him
1: all right we're about to wrap this wrap up show up a couple more things real quick um, I asked Steve, right when I, my first thing I asked him was, what's up with uh, RC and rebuilding the bridge? He doesn't think it's going to happen. Um, I totally disagree. Based off talking to Ricky, based off Ricky holding up the Rick Rick stickers, Ricky I love is,
2: that picture, man. Yeah. I love it.
1: What do you think, just... I know, you, Dane, that you haven't really, you haven't actually talked to Ricky or whatever, but what do you think, based off just the vibe you get from Daniel... And the way things are rolling, do you think they burnt, they they fix the they rebuild the bridge and RC does get on the show in the next year?
2: You forget that I used to be an insider working at these races all the time. No, I, I
1: remember. Have all, you talked to Ricky in the, to the last all two these weeks?
2: Guys, absolutely not in the last week, <laughs> but I I've talked to Ricky. Right. So my my opinion is, I think that they're going to do it. The stumbling block is Mathis. I think Ricky's ready. I think Mathis is worried about something, and I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is, but I really think he needs to talk to Ricky, and I think they need to to uh, get the bridge built again.
1: Okay. All right, let's get to our BTO hot takes, and then we'll, we'll end this thing. We'll do one more last sponsor reads and uh, call it a day. Anybody that, if you guys like the show or don't like the show, let me know. Darkside at com. If you want to submit your hot takes for future episodes, same nappy thing. Darkside head. at pulpamex.com. What was that? I don't like your nappy head. Yeah, yeah. If you don't like my nappy <laughs> hair, that's fine. Uh, my hair's not nappy, bro. <laughs> anyway, whatever. God, guy, the shit just gets on <laughs> <under, it gets laughs> my skin and I shouldn't let it. All right. BTO hot takes, TJ. What's your hot take? I don't think
0: in 250 or 450 class we'll have any, any person win more than three overalls.
1: Ooh, wow, okay. All right. How about you, Dane? What's your BTO hot take? Wow.
2: My BTO hot take in 450 is Zach Osborne wins more than Ken Roxon, Jason Anderson
0: combined.
1: Wow, combined. In, in, combined. Uh,
2: combined. Wow. In 250s, my hot take is that uh, Up and comer Hunter Lawrence is going to be in the top ten. He, he's just turning pro. He's uh, you know his brother and himself, Jetton and, and Hunter Lawrence. They're Geico guys. They're coming out of Australia. Um, I've a couple of these races that I've been working. They use, you've seen my posts and my booth and everything. Yeah, they've they've been there racing, and that kid never lets off the throttle ever he's wide open all the way around milestone that one race we were at so i think hunter lawrence is going to get himself a top 10 overall first year out
1: nice good hot takes bto sports is your number one source for all of your motocross parts gears accessories and apparel btosports.com is a motocross company who is truly dedicated to the sport and to the customer thanks for the bto hot takes. Uh, once again, i will wrap this up with all our sponsors Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Race Tech, Suspension, Michelin Star Cross Fives, Maxima Oils, X Brand Goggles, Pro Filter, uh, Works Connection, Atlas Brace, FMF Racing, Roost Graphics, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower, Batteries and Chains, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit, Hand Cleaner, Motorcycle Industry Jobs.com lahondaworld.com, ogio and ride engineering. If you're looking to use any of those products, please support uh support those that support PulpMX. Go to the pulpmxshow.com for any uh discount codes. DJTJ Dane Evans, thank you so much for coming on and doing this episode of the wrap up show. Uh we're going to close this thing out and we'll do another one next week. If you hate this show, please download it anyway. Thanks. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp show?
0: Yeah. yeah.